This program is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Length reporting for investors who want the whole story. This is the Corlin Economics Report. Welcome back to the second hour of the weekend edition of the KE Report. In the second hour, I am again focusing on some of the more listened to and more commented on editorials from throughout the week, starting off with. Michael Gray, partner at Agentis Capital. Be sure to listen to this full interview on Tuesday posted on our site. And there is a special live stream event happening January 22nd where you can tune in. And Michael hosts a panel of gold exploration companies in the Yukon. I hope you all enjoy. I'm excited to announce a new guest on the show. Michael Gray, partner and head of equity research at Agentis Capital. Agentis Capital is a global independent financial advisor. Now, I wanted to bring Michael Gray on for a couple of reasons. First, to introduce Agentis Capital and get some insights on mostly the mining sector, because that is a lot of the focus where Michael focuses, and also highlight a breakfast event that is happening January 22nd at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Michael will be hosting a fireside chat and a bit of an overview with company presentations focused on the Tombstone Gold Belt. So I do have a link that you all can register and watch that event live when it happens on the 22nd. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But Michael, first and foremost, since it is your first time on the show, can you give us a bit of a background on Agentis Capital, please? Yeah, no, thanks for the invitation to come on, Corey. Uh, Chances Capital is a research and advisory firm, all ex-Macquarie individuals. So we formed the mining partnership uh, four and a half years ago when Macquarie exited Canada. So we are Vancouver and Toronto offices. There's probably about 45 employees, including all the infrastructure team. The mining team is six. I do an equity research product, uh, independent research. We cover uh, explorer developers and some producers. And, and then we have an advisory arm as well. So this is a, a pivot from Macquarie Big Bank style of research, but the same quality and, and the same philosophy of looking for best of breed opportunities. So that's, that's a gentleman in a nutshell. So on the mining side, then, in terms of metals, where is mostly your focus and Agentis Capital's focus? Right now, it's really gone to risk off jurisdictions, Canada, Australia, United States. Uh, we do cover some assets in PNG with K92 coverage, but it's it's quite focused. Uh, we're very risk adverse right now, jurisdictionally. Now, I guess that ties into kind of the main themes. I did want to get your insights and maybe a little preview to a little bit of your presentation from that breakfast event. Talk to us, please, about the main themes that you have been focused on, especially in the mining sector, which uh, I think we're all aware, all of the investors in the sector, that uh, it has been a fairly tough couple of years for a lot of resource and mining companies. Yeah, it has been. And so what we've done since we founded Agentis was really focus on, uh, say, certain batting cages, jurisdictions that we thought could be very prolific. So we started in the Golden Triangle of British Columbia, Canada, and have had success with GT Gold uh, being taken out. We did transition that coverage from Macquarie. So we really started to look at the copper gold plays uh, like Red Chris. We immediately were the first team to cover Skeena uh, back in 2019. We covered Ascot, Dolly Varden, and, and eventually Imperial Metals. So we have a really good understanding of not only of the assets, the infrastructure, the First Nations dynamic in the Golden Triangle, so that was a big theme. And then a couple of years ago, we really pivoted to also cover the Yukon in a similar fashion. So, you know, we covered Snowline, uh, we covered Western Copper and Gold, and we covered Rockhaven up till recently. And it's important, I think, for institutional investors to appreciate, you know, the motivations of senior mining companies getting into those jurisdictions or area plays 
The Golden Triangle has yielded over the past five years about $4.5 billion in M&A, with uh, Bruce Jack and, and Redcrest being taken out or built. And we see the same thing happening in other jurisdictions, and, and that's the reason to focus on the Yukon. On commodities, we've really started more gold uh, focus and then pivoted over the last few years, more copper gold. And then we've also looked for if, if there are superior assets out there in the rare element space, uh, we certainly picked up coverage of defense metal and, and have high conviction on that one. And then on the copper gold side, globally, uh, we're very attracted to these attenuated porphyries that could not only have an open pit, but also a blockade. So very much emulating our coverage of GT Gold and Imperial Metals in the Red Chris area, Golden Triangle. Now, what's your assessment of the overall health of the sector when it comes to the discrepancy between mining companies, which do seem to be making some decent cash flow here, development companies, which a lot of them seem to be stuck at that financing stage, and exploration companies where the financing environment continues to be difficult for them, and we seem to find or see less and less discoveries being made? How are you segregating the different main sectors within the resource sector and stocks? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great uh, question. It was tough, a very tough year, especially last year. I think there's a number of reasons. One is, you know, there's a lot of junior money companies out there, a lot of mouths to feed, and there's only so many of them that are going to have uh, high enough quality opportunities, raw plays, or even assets with retained value uh, to push forward. So that's one thing. I think the other thing that has held things back is, is there, there's been a, a lot of competition for capital last year. And I think with inflation going up, interest rates going up, there's been other opportunities for investors. There's not as many investors, maybe demographically things are playing out that are, are uh, loving the junior mining companies and focus on the juniors. Certainly the institutions, the resource funds, have uh, concentrated uh, portfolios and are not coming down the food chain into the juniors as much. The traditional players out of on Bay Street or in, in New York are not coming down into the juniors. They might have had 80 positions at one point uh, back in uh, you know 2010, 2011. Now they've got 30. And they can only afford to have a few of those uh, be the developers and the explorers. So I think that really impacts the interest in our, in our sector right now. So there's got to be much more uh, creativity to get capital, maybe from streaming companies, maybe from private equity and, and alternative sources to, uh, to sustain the businesses. So since it is a much more selective environment, you're spot on with that comment. Does that mean uh, you see it continuing this way? So the fact is that investors do need to stay focused on some of those higher quality projects, even ones that are arguably a bit more advanced. I think that, if investors want to continue to seek 10-time returns, 10-baggers, so to speak, um, those are really elusive. You've got to be super selective if you want to be successful there. So I think I think expectations may change. I, I've talked to a lot of fund managers recently, uh, and they're happy with much more of an asset base and maybe not quite the return. But in a year like this where we've got a nice tailwind on the critical minerals, we've got a positive outlook on the gold price. Those are the type of assets that I think are going to perform really well, as opposed to some of the little bit more binary expiration plays, swinging for the fences, which I generally love. But I think those are going to be uh, a little bit tougher to finance, uh, certainly in 2024. Why do you think we've seen such a disconnect between where the gold price is right around all-time highs and where the broad stocks are, the gold stocks that are unfortunately nowhere near all-time highs, especially if you look at something like GDX or GDXJ. Yeah, it's as much as the producers have been doing very well, but the margins haven't expanded as much over the last couple of years as, as you might have expected. Inflation has eaten into that margin, but you know, in, in general, I think I think we have seen a, a little bit of version to the gold only plays, the producers. All right, we are out of time for this segment. But again, if you want to listen to that full interview, go visit our website or podcast. And it was posted on Tuesday under Michael Gray. Everyone stick around. We're going to be right back with an important company update that was recorded this week.
you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. danpilla.com. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Call 800-284-0523. Learn how through the Family Medical Leave Act, you can leave your job without losing your job. Locations everywhere. Get immediate help for drug and alcohol problems. Call now. 800-284-0523. 800-284-0523. Are you still looking for that one iodine that you can really trust? A medical doctor-endorsed product that is backed by honest research and true integrative science. Then search no further. Go to Nutramedical.com for Dr. Bill Deagle's Nutriodine, proven time and time again to be the very best iodine available for you. Nutriodine is the only Tesla-activated monatomic plasma iodine in the world. It optimizes mitochondrial function and generation of new mitochondria from totally neutralized the venom from a desert recluse spider bite in Southern California to eliminating malaria parasites reported by medical missionaries in Central India. Dr. Bill's Nutriodine is simply the most powerful healing formula there is. Nutriodine clears the body of all known pathogens, restores it to an alkaline state, and even promotes stem cell regeneration. Order Dr. Bill's Nutriodine today at 888-212-8871 or visit us online at Nutramedical.com. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Your weekly fix on finance and investing. This is the Corlin Economics Report. All right, welcome back. Continuing to listen to the second hour of the KE Report weekend show. This segment from Vizla Silver was posted on Tuesday. Came right after the company announced its updated mineral resource estimate at the Panuku project. I'm going to get right into uh, the intro there where I am explaining this resource so you can hear what Mike Connert, president and CEO of Vizla, has to say about the resource. 
We're seeing an increase of just under 50% in both the indicated and inferred resources. Total resource in terms of indicated plus inferred of over 325 million ounces silver equivalent. If we put this into a gold equivalent, that's right around 4.3 million ounces gold equivalent. So Mike, take us through this resource update where a lot of these increases came from, please. Yeah, you know, this this is a very positive news piece for Beasle Silver, and I'm just thrilled with the outcome here. Our, our team has worked very hard to make this happen and, you know, has had a lot of you know, successful discoveries, and, and you know, this is a great outcome, you know. And so what we're seeing here is that expansion, you know, is driven by, you know, Napoleon, Copala, kind of the usual suspects, and then our new La Luisa discovery as well, too. So La Luisa was discovered since the last resource update, which was last year at the same time, January in 2023. And since then, we've added, you know, basically another 30 million ounces at, uh, at La Luisa from a brand new discovery. Of course, La Luisa is slated to grow. It's not um, not done yet, that's for sure. The most important takeaway from La Luisa and, and you know, that being added to this district, or I should say to this, this resource, is that in our district, we can go from prospect to drilling, to discovery, to added ounces in a resource very quickly. We're starting to look elsewhere across the district. Like, you know, this is 10% of the known veins in the district uh, represented here in this resource. You know, 90% of those veins are, are untested or haven't don't have resources on them yet. Uh, and that's not to say that all of those veins will. Of course, that's, that's un- extremely unlikely and, and would never happen. But the potential for us to make brand new discoveries, big discoveries, and then convert them into resources very rapidly, you know, like finding other centers of mass in this district, I think is very real, uh, very positive. And, you know, we've barely scratched the surface here with um, with our Pernuco project. So we're just thrilled about this news today. Okay, so since you brought that up, let's talk about it. Where It's mentioned a couple of times in the news release where the resource represents less than 10% of the known vein strike of the newly consolidated district. How do you go about figuring out where on that other 90% you can drill and increase resources, build resources, and also uh, make sure that it is of a generally higher grade nature? How do you go about figuring out where on the rest of the project you would go? Well, really, you know, that's all led by our exploration team, which uses an exploration matrix, you know, where we rank and prioritize prospects, exploration targets, and then drill targets, and then resources, you know, with the intention of finding the biggest and highest grade, you know, a nice balance between big and high grade structures that we can, and then growing them rapidly, you know, like when we we made the discovery of Copala, 82 meters of, you know, 300 grams uh, plus silver, it was very clear that that was something that we needed to pursue. So what we're trying to do is find other big targets like that. La Luisa was a great, you know, I think it was close to 10 meters at uh, at a kilo or something close to that. And, and it was really quite impressive when we saw that La Luisa result. We knew that we needed to continue to drill there. So first of all, it's ranking and prioritizing based on surface samples, you know, rock chip samples if underground, and then structural mapping to know whether or not this is a target that we wanted to pursue. And then if we do that, you know, we bring the drills to it. But, you know, right now, just in the West, we're going to be busy with exploration drilling in that center of mass. And in that case, we we have many targets that we've already found through drilling and, and through prospecting, like the El Molino vein, which we made, you know, an accidental discovery of, you know, any one of these could become the next Napoleon, the next Copala, the next La Luisa. Let's also talk about the grade increase in that resource estimate. It was a 17% increase in grade in the indicated resource. The indicated resource grade went from 437 grams per ton silver equivalent up to 511. What's important here and where did this grade increase mostly come from? You know, that is exactly what you want to see here. So the combination of an overall increase in resource ounces coupled with an increase in grade is almost the rarest of things. It's very difficult to achieve that. And so we saw that. And really where that comes from is the conversion of inferred to indicated. So 
movement of lower confidence drilling resources into higher confidence resources from inferred to indicated was responsible for that uh, that higher grade. So what we saw was a lot of Copala get drilled at tighter spacings, 50 meters versus 100. And by doing that, we were able to increase that grade and have higher confidence in those resources. So it's really the best outcome, really. We're also seeing that you know, there's some high-grade areas, certainly, I mean, La Luisa is high-grade, but there's some higher-grade areas there. You know, it all continues to grow with, with grade. Just the general tenor of this, this district here is one that is a very large, high-grade system, and, and I think these, this resource uh, demonstrates that. So the next big news release coming out or another big catalyst for the company is the PEA coming out in the first half of this year. This will obviously filter right into the PEA. What can you tell us about that PEA when it's coming and what we can potentially expect? Yeah, you know, the, the PEA is going to be another great milestone that will demonstrate, you know, this project at a moment in time. And uh, what the I think the key takeaway from the PEA will be is, you know, taking a look at what the NPV to CapEx ratio is. Is this a project that um, you know, we'll be able to build for a reasonable amount of money? Uh, I think a lot of indications are that that will be the case because of the, the excellent infrastructure. You know, one of these tidbits that I like to say is that, you know, we drilled 325,000 meters. We put together this resource through discovery drilling over four years of drilling without having to build a road. That gives you an idea of the infrastructure of the uh, the project here. You know, very, very rare that that's possible. Most companies would have spent tens of millions of dollars on roads by now if this was somewhere in Canada. But fortunately for us, we, you know, we've been able to do that just using the existing road network. That type of savings, you know, I think is magnified, amplified in the uh, the economic studies that we're, we're, we're contemplating here going forward. So that PEA is going to be important. It'll show that this is not only the world's largest undeveloped high-grade silver resource by a huge margin, but it's one that we can develop for a reasonable price and become a very large silver producer. Now, the drilling from this year, something that we talked about for that year-end summary, right around 65,000 meters planned for this year. What's being drilled right now? How many rigs are going to be on the project? Uh, we have six rigs right now on the property. And, uh, you know, the focus of those rigs are, you know, expansion drilling and conversion drilling in the west here. We do have a few targets that we're interested in drilling outside of that center of mass. And I would say, you know, watch this space, stay, stay tuned for that. And there's a couple of you know, potential discovery drill holes that we're taking as well. I, I can't speak too much about those right now, but you know, certainly the discovery story is continuing to grow as we move forward here with the project. To find out more about today's guests, visit us on the web at www.kereport.com. You're listening to the Corlin Economics Report. We'll be back in a moment. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. News update. We begin this Saturday with the nightmare weather conditions in Iowa, snow and freezing temperatures in the state that is literally the center of the political world for the next few days ahead of the caucuses come Monday. All of the Republican candidates busy campaigning despite the weather conditions. Nikki Haley telling reporters, This is an unbelievable amount of snow, but we are going to continue to try and touch as many people as we can. In other news, President Biden calling the strikes against the Houthi rebels in Yemen 
a success. The president on a campaign stop at a school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. The Department of Defense says to expect some sort of Houthi rebel retaliation. But the group, which is backed by Iran, has been attacking ships in the Red Sea for months now. The Biden administration, along with military partners in Britain, finally carrying out massive strikes in Yemen. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past few years. For example, a man age 45 non-tobacco user. $1 million of coverage is only $75 per month. Level for the next 10 years. Or a man age 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right. Level rates for 20 years. And if you're a smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred not tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. 800-430-1891. That's 800-430-1891. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Providing unique reporting on markets and companies since 1990. This is the Corlin Economics Report. Welcome back. This next segment was aired on Thursday with our good friend Nick Hodge. It's a long interview, so be sure to listen to the full interview on our website. Hello and welcome to the KE Report. Chad and Corey here today talking with Nick Hodge, co-owner of Digest Publishing and editor of Foundational Profits and Hodge Family Office. You can follow along with Nick's publications and his partner Gerardo's publications down below. Click on the link below this interview. And Nick, it's always great getting you on the show to get your thoughts on the macro, on the micro, on different commodity sectors, any markets that have your attention. And we normally start off with the macroeconomic side. And one could argue that it's been a year again in 2023 and as we roll into 2024, where most market participants are obsessed with what central banks are going to do. Now, at the end of last year, we had that big pivot party where Powell had noted and so did the dot plot that they're going to be doing some rate cuts in 2024. It's possible that the pivot party got a little ahead of itself and now there's a market hangover as we start the year. How are you looking at the macro setup and what central bank policy is as we move into 2024? You outlined it pretty well there, Shad, and and thanks for having me on again, Corey, as well. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to hone and share my thoughts. The last time we spoke, we were saying that, or I was saying that the Fed was not going to cut rates and 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 that had been sort of my mantra for a long time. And then the week after that, like you say, um, the Fed meeting happened and there was a, an easing party of the, to, to use your vernacular there. And I still don't think that that's going to materialize early in, in 2024. You had almost a 100% probability the market was pricing in rate cuts in, in March, and that's quickly dissipated to closer to, to 50 or 60% as the market realizes a, a couple of things, namely that the inflation is going to remain relatively high and that the, the Fed has now backed itself into a credibility corner, right? If it wants to get this inflation down to 2%, then it's going to have to remain hawkish. And it has cover with a relatively still strong job sector to to keep rates uh, pinned higher. And so that's how I'm viewing sort of Fed action. And to to relate it to to gold, I guess, is 
Hey, gold is, is seeing that as well. You had that rate cut party. Gold closed in December, uh, finally closed out a month and a year above 2000, a uh, firm bull market. And then uh, people get back to their desks and, and, and start eyeing this, this CPI number that's going to come out on, on the 11th. And they're saying, oh, crap, it's going to be pinned at three and a half or closer to four percent. And, and that means the Fed is, is not going to cut as, as soon as um, everyone thought. And then and, and lo and behold, you know, rate sensitivity starts to trade the other way. Rate sensitivity trades like um, real estate and and gold and and obviously bonds, right? So you had bond yields come down both on the two-year and 10-year on that easing party to continue with that language. And then um, they've turned around in the past couple of weeks, the two-year and the the 10-year both marching higher, right? The two-year pricing in that the Fed can't cut as soon as everyone thought. But nonetheless, the 10-year the remaining below that two-year rate, the so-called yield curve inversion, which has been going on now for a long time, still saying that there's a slowing economic growth and uh, recession uh, ahead. So um, that's sort of the macro outlay as I see it. No rate cuts in, in Q1, sticky high inflation at 3.5%, and, and growth cooling uh, pretty precipitously. You'll remember the, the revised GDP in, in the U.S. for Q3 was 5.2%. Um, you'll get a, a Q4 number later in January on the 25th, I believe it is, that's going to be closer to, to 1%. And I guess while I have the microphone, I'll talk about the government for one second, because it was largely the government that was driving that growth in the, in the third quarter. Uh, lots of government hiring, lots of government spending, of course, uh, expansion of the government debt now at, at, at $34 trillion. And so uh, another thing to watch in macro land is, is the appetite for that government to keep spending, right? Because if their constituents and, and credit rating agencies, by the way, uh, Moody's downgraded the U.S. government in November from stable. So all this to say that I'm not sure the government can keep contributing to GDP the way it was. And I don't think the, the, the Fed can cut as soon as uh, anyone thinks or thought or thunk. And in that sense, it's sort of the, the same things I was telling you in December. So how do you carry this over to the markets, Nick, in the sense that we still have the S&P, Dow, all very close to all-time highs. Dow hit the all-time high shortly after that pivot party. We also have international markets like the Japanese market at all-time highs. A lot of these have kind of flattened out at the start of this year, but are the markets susceptible to a much larger drop in your eyes if Again, that outlook is correct, where the Fed just will not be cutting rates in at least the first half of this year? Um, A couple of things. Uh, Hopefully, I can get them all out cogently. We talked last month about cycle time and and performance and how to think about that. Yes, you just said the the S&P is near all-time highs. The Dow Jones recaptured all-time highs in December. And and, and nonetheless, um, the S&P remains uh, down for the past two years, meaning, you know, anyone who owned a portfolio of, of broad basket equities or the S&P since early January, early 2022 has lost money. And then Fidelity was out with a report in, in late January. They, they, they hold 45 million uh, retirement accounts. So they have a bit of data saying that the average balance on those 401ks was flat for the past five years since like 2018. And that comes, as you say, amid uh, record highs in, in, in some equity markets. So uh, what's happening there is, is, is one of the things I think about. You say, how do you translate it to the market? Well, that's not a function. Those accounts that being stagnant for five years is, is not just a function of the, the market malaise we've had for since 2022, where I just told you the market has been you know sideways. But it's a function of a hardship of the consumer, right? So uh, some of that is because people are taking money out of there retirement accounts through so-called hardship withdrawals, which you're allowed to do under the U.S. tax code. And the reasons they're doing that, that primarily, uh, Fidelity said, is um, to not get evicted or to cover an unexpected medical cost. And so when I talk about this slowing growth and a, and a weakening consumer and, and how I translate it to the market, like I think about those things, right? You've got a populace, you have 45 million retirement accounts that haven't gone up in five years. I don't know what they own, but it's clearly not just the S&P or, or the, the, the few communication and tech stocks that have been responsible for the portion of the, the large gains over the past year. And so I, I'm wondering what's going to foster this growth for this, the, help usher in a soft landing that the, the Fed tells us is going to come if, if the consumer is already taking money out of their retirement account to cover housing and, and medical costs. And so where does that hit the road in the market? Well, one, you don't have to own the S&P. You can, you can seek returns elsewhere. And, and that's one of the things I do in, in my monthly letter, right? 
Cash has been a great place to be. We, we've talked about that. I mean, you're still getting close to 5% yield. And then other sectors, uh, you mentioned Japan. Yeah, last year we were in uh, trades like the Philippines and, and South Korea and staying out of, of China, which is at, at, at three-year lows. And so um, you find things that are working, um, I, I think is what I say. And, and, and you be content to um, know that you've got the, the trend right, right? Like you, you know where you are in the cycle. And so if it's a sign curve, I think you know we're sliding down the, the, the sign curve to, to a bottom that's going to at least the bottom in growth, not stock prices I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fundamental drivers that ultimately affect stock prices. You're going to get back to economic expansion, right? GDP growth in Q3 2024. Um, and so I'll look to start, you know, scaling back into to, to U.S. domiciled or U.S.-based equities um, as we get into the second quarter. But um, for now, it's been, again, cash. It's been defense stocks. You know, you look for sectors that are going up. Defense stocks have, have been okay for obvious reason, things like General Dynamics and Textron and, and Honeywell. Um, insurance stocks have, have worked, you know, a subsector of the, the financial stocks, the regional banks still facing trouble. But if you look at insurance stocks like a Prudential, for example, those are at 52-week highs. And then you start looking out, right? So to rate sensitivity trades, because the Fed did say it was going to cut. I don't think that happens yet. Uh, but you look at the things that are, you know, affected by uh, what happens when the Fed does end its hiking cycle, which I do believe is ended. I just think we stay at higher rates for longer. But what happens as those rates do start to come down in, in, in the late economic cycle? And those are things like um, getting back into a real estate, perhaps with, with REITs. And then utilities, which we've started to buy here in the past month. So um, you had a, a strong sell-off in, in utilities in, in October to November when um, we were back on the, the rate hiking mantra before we got to the rate cut mantra in December. Um, and, and so we start pecking away building positions uh, for the long term and, and things like that. And so that, that was a bit of a, a meandering and, and a wandering answer. But that's how I translate some of those macro things I talked about to the market and how I think about how those macro things drive the market. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right. We cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores, building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, formerly Air Force Lieutenant Colonel, Air National Guard Reservist. I'm looking for veterans, active duty military personnel to join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. She needs your skills, courage, and loyalty more than ever. Contact GCNteam.com. Because of the financial and health care collapse, veterans are currently struggling finding jobs. Frustrated looking for a job? Change your tactics. Join the 90 for Life Crusade to save America. Start a health care business with FDI Longevity 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com immediately. We're looking for military specialists who can use a computer and communicate information and execute a battle plan. Join the admirals, Navy SEALs, Marines, pilots, Army officers, military police, sheriffs, police officers, firemen, and first responders already enrolled in the 90 for Life Crusade. Contact GCNteam.com now. FDI Longevity will help you apply your military skills to the task of saving America through health and financial programs. Contact GCNteam.com. Enlist in GCNteam.com and save America. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Final segment of the KE Report Weekend Show, the second hour. It is the update that I had with Lion One Medals on Thursday. I get a lot of questions from all of you on Lion One, so I figured I would replay this one where I get some of your questions answered. Full interview again on Thursday. I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. Hey everyone, welcome in to another daily editorial here on the KE Report. In this daily editorial, I am getting an update from Lion One Metals, traded on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO, on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF, and on the ASX under the symbol LLO. I am chatting again with Patrick Hickey, Chief Operating Officer, as well as Quentin Henney, Technical Advisor at Lion One. Now, guys, a number of questions have come in over the holiday season asking for more an operations update as well as some more updates on the ongoing drilling, especially the grade-controlled drilling. Some questions on exploration, too, but we will get to as many questions as possible. Patrick, we're going to start off with you for the update on operations at the pilot plant. I know we can't talk actual production numbers or even in terms of all in sustaining costs because it is so early on and this is still a pilot plant but let's talk about some of the stages of expansion the first and foremost stage of expansion to 500 tons per day i know when we've talked about this you've outlined that should come more in the let's say mid to later part of summer talk to us about any changes in the expansion plans to 500 tons per day please Okay, well, first of all, the uh, 300 ton per day, the pilot plant, we did the first pour on the 10th of October, and we ran for a week or two and got some information, decided to make some changes, so we shut it down for a week or two and and made those changes, and it's been essentially at 300 tons plus ever since. So it ramped up a lot faster than we had expected, which is a good thing, and we've had pretty good success on recoveries and things like that, but again, with a pilot plant, you're always trying to move and adjust and change things around. So on the plant side, for the 300 ton, I don't see any issues. The next step is the 500 tons per day. And we'll take it to the 500 tons per day target is the end of August. And that includes the addition of a tower mill and some flotation cells. I don't see any challenges with that. Everything uh, is on order and the construction guys are already 
doing the civil works for it. So I don't see any challenges there. And I've, we've mentioned this before, that we have a crushing system, primary and secondary crusher, are designed for 1,200 tons a day. And we'll see what happens after that. But right now our goal is to get to the 500 tons per day by August and then target the development of the decline so we can get to the 500 zone by mid-2025. Now, is there any other guidance in terms of expansion past that 500 tons per day? You've mentioned 1,200 tons per day, but is there going to be a stepping stone? Is there any more information you can give us on that further expansion front? The, the only thing I would say around that, we've never said anything publicly beyond that 500 tons a day, but the only thing I can say is more is always better, right? And, you know, I have yet to meet a, a mine investor that doesn't want more. So we're trying to set ourselves up so that we can do that. Our portal, the decline is 4.5 meters by 4.5 meters. That allows us to machine mine when we hit parts of the ore body that are machine mineable. And it also gives us that optionality to use jack legs in the smaller, narrower, high-grade zone. So we want to keep our optionality open while we advance that decline. Can you give us some more information then on the progress of that underground development, of the decline, or even moving into your first stope? Well, before we get into that, there's some, one thing I want to talk about that I think a lot of people miss. There is so much to getting a new mine operational and going. There's things like the organization, and, and I've mentioned this before, IT, supply chain, the ERP system. And, you know, all the, the legal and land and all these stuff that goes around that. And hiring big mining companies that hire thousands of people might not appreciate this. But, you know, we went from 50 employees a year and a half ago to 400 employees now. And they're all fully engaged. The org chart is filled. And um, the whole mine is running the way it should run, which is a really good success story for us as a company. And then back on your question about the decline development, you know, we're just under 100 meters a week. We have two twin jumbos, you know, all the equipment that you need to do that. It's always nice to have more equipment, but we're trying to balance between production costs and capital and all those things. It's the age-old story about, you know, starting up a small mine. Now, in terms of the different zones throughout this asset here, we talk a lot about these different zones when it comes to grade control drilling, but can you remind everybody where right now you're pulling material from in terms of zone numbers? Well, Quinn's the expert on this, but you know we have zone two and five, the upper zones, that have proven out to be bigger than what we had originally assumed in the model. But we got to, I'll give you an example, we got to our first dope just a few weeks ago, and it came in not too far off from what the model said it would be. So that was a good sign. And um, our target now is to get, in the next two or three months, to get to some more higher-grade stopes and really start pulling this thing into production. So that's what we're trying to do right now. Quentin, let's get you in here just for a quick comment on these different zones. We've talked about a wide range of them, and you've included figures within the news releases, but is there a way that investors or those looking at this story can simplify these different zones and the progress in terms of mining, even in terms of exploration through each one of them? Yeah, Corey, look, uh, it right now the mine and the current development is focused on the upper part of the load system. Uh, but like like Patrick said a minute ago, one of the keys of, of developing this thing further is going to be to put a decline down to get into that 500 zone. As we know, that's a, the higher grade probable route. But right now they're focused on a couple of loads in the, the upper part of the system. Okay, uh, they kind of, see, you'll see names jostled around. But basically, uh, they now refer to Zone 5, and I believe Zone 2 is the other focus at the at this time. Okay, now, what are we talking about? Well, think of this load system as a like a, a book that's partially open. Okay, and the hinge of the book is kind of in the southwest corner of the load system. So you kind of see all the loads converge there. And as you go away from the, the hinge of the book, uh, you see like the page, each page of the book as it spreads out. Uh, represents a different load. Okay, so uh, in this case, we're dealing with the URW loads, so the UR West loads, as they're referred to. Uh, but there's also these UR, the main UR loads. The URW loads go north-south. The UR, UR loads proper progressively trend more to the northeast as you sweep across the open book. 
So they're finding more loads as they drill. Um, they've got a lot of drilling that we'll say is outside of the current mine plan that's hitting further loads or further extensions of existing loads that weren't previously recognized. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're focused right now on the UR1, UR2, UR3, and then the URW2A and URW3 loads. These are the, the pages of the books, if you will. Uh, there's also some work on the UR4 and UR8 loads. So it's it's a multiple you know multiple load system, and they're tackling the upper part of it first. You know each one of these pages is effectively effectively part of that uh, zone five uh, area. That's the the target of the immediate development and uh, and ultimate production for this pilot mine. All right, Patrick. Another question regarding operations deals with plant capacity. Can you give us an update on the utilization of the plant currently? I don't have the percentages right at the tip of my finger, but for a startup, it's it's doing really, really well. I mean, we've chewed through all the stockpile that we had, so that's that's a good sign. Now, when will we get any production data in terms of costs, in terms of production, really anything that is a bit more concrete in terms of numbers here? With probably the, the first quarterly report that comes out, either either fourth quarter or first quarter. I'm not sure how they're planning on doing that. Well, we are running close to the end of this segment, so instead of just getting a partial answer for Quentin coming up, which my next question was about grade control drilling, I will direct all of you to our website, kereport.com, and podcast, The KE Report. Click on that Thursday posting where you can listen to that full update from Lion One Metals. And everyone listening on the radio, please reach out to me. Let me know what station you're listening on and any questions you have for any of our guests or companies. Really helps me gauge the show and also with who I schedule to make sure that I am addressing all of your questions. So everyone, thanks for tuning in on this weekend show. I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend. The Corlin Economics Report is produced for A.B. Corlin and Associates. Opinions expressed on this program are intended solely for the entertainment of our listeners, do not constitute investment advice, and are not necessarily those of this network, radio station, or our sponsors. Find out more about this program and today's guests by visiting www.kereport.com. For Al Corlin, this is Colleen Robbins. Join us again next week for the Corlin Economics Report. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extend These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA.